Let me ask you just to take a moment to think of someone from the last few decades, alive or dead, anywhere in the world, who you believe was an outstanding example of someone who lived a life that was pleasing to God. Just a most exemplary Christian you can actually think of anywhere in the world, alive or dead. How many of you are thinking, just raise a hand, of a woman called Mother Teresa? Quite a few of you. What qualities did she exemplify? Well, she loved extraordinarily. She so showed compassion. She demonstrated those attributes, but what was her overarching identity? How did she see herself? If we had to give her a one-word description, might it be that she was a servant? That's the word I would use to describe her. She devoted her life in the service of others. She poured out her life to serve those in need. In 1950, she started a small community with 12 members who set out to serve, in her words, the poorest among the poor. And the community became the Missionaries of Charity, which today has over 4,500 sisters in over 130 countries, impacting many thousands of lives by running orphanages and homes for those who are dying of AIDS, caring for refugees, caring for the disabled, and the dying, an incredible legacy to Mother Teresa and her life of service. This very week, this same week, back in 2003, Pope John Paul II, he celebrated her life, and this is what he said. With particular emotion, we remember today Mother Teresa, a great servant of the poor, of the church, and of the whole world. Her life is a testimony to the dignity and the privilege of humble service. Last time I spoke, we began a series on the subject of hallmarks, the hallmarks of our church. And as we expand our physical space with the building of the new kids' center, and we've just expanded this auditorium, we want to pay attention to the kind of church that we believe that the, the Lord has called us to build, the kind of characteristics that we, the people who make up this church, really want to exhibit. And this evening, I want to look at one hallmark that as a church we are very well known for, and that is being servant-hearted. In his letter to the Ephesian church, the apostle Paul encouraged them in Ephesians 6 verse 7 to serve wholeheartedly as though serving the Lord. And Mother Teresa is known throughout the world among those who follow Jesus and those who don't for doing just that, for serving wholeheartedly as though serving the Lord. Indeed, as many of you do. As a church, we really do have quite a wonderful commitment to serving. On any given Sunday, there are around 160 people who serve behind the scenes on a Sunday morning, about 70 in the evening, making these services happen, getting here to set up the chairs and prepare the refreshments and help us find a parking space and welcome visitors, caring for our children, 300 and something under 10s in the morning, plus about 100 youth. And then, uh, you know, making sure that media is working so that you can see and hear what is going on on the stage. And then staying late to clear up. What time did they get out last Sunday night? Something like late. I forget what it was. 11 something, wasn't it? Uh, you know, just clearing this place out and sorting things out. And of course, it's not just on Sundays that people are serving throughout the week. Many of our areas of ministries uh, are organized and run by you. 
A few years ago, someone added up, they did a massive spreadsheet and counted all the hours of all the rotors and all the people doing what they do in the service, uh, various areas of ministry in the life of the church, and it totaled 16,000 voluntary hours a month, which adds up to nearly 200,000 voluntary hours a year. So as a church, in a period of about five years, we're doing almost a million voluntary hours. That is absolutely amazing. Many of you spend time going out from here to serve and to care for people in need and just so many creative ways. Just in February, the discipleship year contacted a number of charities in Nottingham who work with some of the most vulnerable people in our city to see if there was any way that we as a church and they as a team could serve them. Hope Nottingham have a community garden and some of the discipleship year helped them with some of the tasks that needed doing there while others went to Emmanuel House and Refugee Forum to help them clean their venues and sort through and organize their resources, including their food bank. And in June, as part of a visit to Manchester Vineyard, they helped to bless a family by doing some well-needed decorating. On top of the one-off projects, nearly 300 of you serve once a month at least in ministries that serve the most vulnerable in Nottingham, including the arches, including the soup run. Just as Jesus went out to all those around him, so many of you have gone out to demonstrate God's love to rich and poor alike, restoring gardens, washing up in halls of residence, kitchens, decorating houses, visiting the sick in hospital, and countless other acts of service. God really has established here a culture of servanthood in the church, and it's a hallmark that we're widely known for. You know, we have church leaders and church members from all over this nation and indeed other nations who come and visit here, come to conferences that we host like the National Leaders Conference. And again and again, I've heard that uh, response, wow, what an amazing army of servants you have here. So, you know, with a smile on their face, serving way above and beyond the call of duty. And it really amazes me, it delights me that so many are willing to follow Jesus' example and his command to be a servant. So many hundreds of you serve diligently, some in more visible places, some in less visible and what might be described as less glamorous areas of church life. For example, a couple of weeks ago, a member of the church was unwell on a Sunday here and was sick. And two members of the host team swooped in to make sure that they were cared for and to clear up. This morning, there will be quite a number of people changing nappies in the, uh, the creche somewhere in the, this building. I want you to know that even when it feels unappealing and that no one here seems to notice, just behind the scenes, somebody does, even if he's not a human being. God notices it. He sees it. Everything we do in serving him is noted by him, and he is pleased with it. So I want to affirm all those of you who have really grasped this calling to serve, to pour out your life for the benefit of others. To serve the Lord by rolling your sleeves up and ministering within those areas of ministry that we have here in the church and also in areas way beyond what we organize here. For those of you who are yet to do so, I really would encourage you that as we expand our physical space, this is a, a juncture in our church's life, making room for more. We're also making room for more servants that the Lord can use. When you read in the New Testament the various biblical authors like 
the Apostle Paul in his letters, he often introduces himself at the beginning of his letters, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. He describes many of his colleagues as servants as well. James, the half-brother of Jesus, begins his letter, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter introduces himself in his second letter, Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. They'd understood something which is really so important that they are servants. And all these people changed the course of human history through their service. The example that they leave us with is that if you want to change the world, be a servant. Servant-heartedness is not only a hallmark of Mother Teresa and of Trent Vineyard, but also, of course, of Jesus himself. Jesus saw himself as a servant. He said in Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man, which is the way he described himself, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. During his three years of ministry, he served the multitudes who wanted, you know, needed from him healing, needed teaching. He served them even when he wanted to get away from it all and take a break. You think of the time when his cousin, John the Baptist, was murdered by King Herod, beheaded. And he gets the news, and he just says to the uh, disciples, let's just take off by ourselves for a while. Let's just get, take, take a break. And you can imagine the man Christ Jesus hit with grief at the loss of his cousin and just wanted to be with his, his followers, his friends, just go have some quiet time, light a campfire, you know, have some barbecue, whatever, and take an evening off or day off. And then they got into a boat, crossed the Sea of Galilee, and thousands of people ran around the top of that coast and they were waiting on the other side. What did Jesus do? He didn't say, excuse me, mate, it's my day off. I need to spend some time and I'm also grieving. He just was moved with compassion. He taught them, he healed them, and he fed thousands of people. When Jesus washed his disciples' dusty, sweaty feet at the Last Supper, he said in John 13, I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you not literally wash each other's feet when our friends come around for dinner, but to serve others rather than expecting other people to serve us. I wonder what the equivalent would be, 2017, the equivalent of washing somebody's feet. What could I do, what could you do for your friends, for your colleagues, for your neighbors, to show them your desire to put their needs first before your own, even if it means getting our hands dirty. The Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Philippian church in Philippians 2 verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant took the very nature of a servant. He was in very nature God, the God who created the entire universe, created you and me, the God of whom the Bible says the heavens are his throne and the earth his footstool. And how did God in the person of Jesus, the, the most worthy of being served person in the universe, how did he spend his time here on earth? He chose to go and serve. The sick, the disabled, those whose society rejected, and share the good news of the kingdom with them. He didn't talk about the kingdom from big platforms and important places. He rolled his sleeves up and he served and he took his disciples with him. 
And Paul's encouragement to us is to have the same attitude as Jesus had. So God became nothing, became a servant. We're already right down at this level. It doesn't take much for us to serve somebody else's needs. It's an incredible, mind-blowing concept that the God of the universe would actually become the servant of all. And ultimately, of course, gave his life for all of us, the ultimate act of service. I want to acknowledge that we have, many of us, busy lives. And you know, it may be that you, you're warm to the idea of serving others, but you just can't see how you would fit that in. You might be thinking, well, maybe when life calms down a bit, you know, I could, I could probably make it more of a priority. Well, this is where Jesus' example is so challenging because he chose to make it his priority. He chose to make time for it. And his example prompts us to ask the question, where does serving others come in the order of priorities in my life? Is this something we do if we have time and energy left over after we've taken care of all our needs and sorted everything out? Or is it something that, like Jesus, we choose to prioritize over other things? The King James Version, King James Version says in the Matthew passage I just quoted, the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister. In some church traditions, people talk about being called into the ministry which means called to take on the leadership of, uh, you know, in the church as a priest or a vicar or as a minister, that's where the name comes from, or as a pastor, and to serve or minister to a community of faith. But of course, we're all called into the ministry. It's not just those who are ministers. We're all, you know, who are the ministers here? Everybody who ministers, everybody who serves. On top of the 230 or so people serving on a Sunday, over 200 of you will be leading a small group this week. Many will be here at the warehouse cleaning and maintaining and, and so on in the building. It may be that your ministry actually is to your family, in your home, or you minister at your place of work, or in the community, with the poor, or in some church-organized area of ministry. All service in God's kingdom is ministry. You'll notice that the hallmark here is being servant-hearted, being a servant is as much about an attitude of the heart as it is about being on some rota. Of course, making a commitment to serve regularly in one area of ministry or another is an important part of that, but Jesus models something more. Servant-heartedness is about how we relate to others day in, day out, understanding our call to be a blessing to those around us. Just two weeks ago, one of the Connect team Kat Turner was standing outside the new street entrance, just welcoming people and you know, showing people in where the new gate has been cut through the fence. And uh, she noticed a woman who looked lost, just approaching, and she assumed she was looking for Trent, and so Kat went to assist her and get her through the gate, and then discovered that actually the woman wasn't looking for Trent. She was really lost and looking for somewhere a long way away, uh, in town somewhere, I think. And um, Kat just spent 40 minutes taking her to the place she was going before coming back here. Just amazing, that's attitude. That's not just being on a rotor and doing what you're supposed to do. That's actually, she really wanted to help this woman and felt the most appropriate thing in that situation was to actually take her to where she needed to go. Now, I wouldn't necessarily recommend we all leave our post at every given opportunity, but it's a wonderful example of being willing and ready to serve well above and beyond the call of duty, to show kindness to somebody else. As Trent Vineyard is called to be a servant-hearted church, 
Each of us here is called to be servant-hearted outside of these four walls as well as within them. We can be servant-hearted in our workplaces, in our gym, in our college, in our university, in our friendships, in our families. Really, anywhere we find ourselves, this identity, I'm a servant, will change some of the way our attitudes and indeed our behavior. I love the fact that if you go to the Queen's Medical Center, it won't be long before you encounter a member of this church serving you, serving in their vocation as a nurse or a doctor, member of support staff, that schools around the city benefit from having you working there or serving in shops and bars. All over the city, you carry the presence of Jesus as you serve those around you. Because being servant-hearted is one of the most powerful ways we can demonstrate God's love. The sad reality for many people today in our nation is that whilst the church is trying to share the good news of the gospel, we sometimes have a reputation for being the bad news. The church in this country is often seen as being old-fashioned, okay, it's relatively harmless, but what about judgmental, bigoted, dogmatic, boring and irrelevant, you know, a place where everything fun seems to be prohibited and everything dull seems to be compulsory. That's people's you know, observation as they look at the church. But when people look at the church, they should see us being what we are, the body of Christ. The body of Christ, the actual hands and feet of Jesus in this world, and they should be constantly surprised by our generosity, by our love, by when we show grace when we didn't need to, by our kindness, by our compassion. My wife Debbie was in a beauty salon recently, I don't know why she doesn't need any help in my view with that, but. <laughs> for whatever reason she was there and she was asked by one of the members of staff there, what, what do you do? What do you do for a living? And she said, well, um, I pastor a church. And they said, tell me about that. She said, it's called the Vineyard. And they said, Trent Vineyard? She said, yes, Trent Vineyard. And this woman had heard about the church because um, she knew some people who had been here for conferences, had a great experience. Also, some people who'd come here and been so incredibly blessed. I think someone was without a car and was lent a car, was without accommodation, was given accommodation, and really helped in extraordinary ways. And despite having never been here herself, the woman said this, that place is full of expressions of kindness. What an amazing reputation to have among people who've never been here. What an amazing representation of Jesus that our conferencing team show to those who visit alongside others in the church, going out of their way to serve people. Over the summer, many of you were involved in what we called our Love Your Neighbor events. In July, we received an email from someone in response to something that one of the groups did from Feeling Good Again. It's a group for adults with mental health difficulties after our, one of our small groups laid on this special fresh fruit platter and Wimbledon style strawberries and scones cream tea at one of their tennis sessions. And this is what they wrote to us. I am writing to you on behalf of our Feeling Good Again group at Grantham Tennis Club and also on behalf of the club itself to say a very big thank you to you as a church for the lovely, supportive contribution that you made to our activities this week. 
James Pitcher and his team from your congregation did a fantastic job in setting out the table and the refreshments so that everyone in the group could have a fun, social, and purposeful tennis session. It felt this was a very supportive and generous gesture. It certainly helped them to feel good, which obviously is the whole purpose of our scheme. Thank you all again. And that session opened up a conversation between James and one of the men who attended, and he ended up coming along to Trent a few weeks ago. And the following day, he posted on Facebook about his experience of being here, and this is what he wrote. Wow, what a day it's been. Trent Vineyard is not a normal-looking church, but a huge warehouse. As you enter, you are instantly blown away by the huge space. It was time to take our seats as music started playing and a countdown for when it was going to start. And then, let's just say I was a different person in that place. You had a band play with an awesome woman singing, really upbeat, massive screens above the band, showing words on the screen to sing along. And yes, I sung along. I like singing when I'm at home, and I've been wanting to go to karaoke nights, but <laughs> just not going due to my anxiety and fear. But today, it is gone. I sung my heart out and love the music being played. I could go on and on about how that church made me into a different person. I'm not religious, but you do not need to be to go and experience what a wonderful place it is. This man was able to come along and experience what we get to experience, all starting with a simple act of service involving strawberries and scones. When we serve those around us in a generous, fun, no-strings-attached way, it's not only, not only a great way to show the heart of God, it opens the heart of others to the gospel. It makes them wonder, why would you do that? Why the church would spend money and time serving and giving to people we don't know, with no obligation on their part to do anything but enjoy it. Why would we do that? Well, we are representing Jesus. Serving is one way that we're invited to partner with God as he extends his kingdom, to demonstrate to our friends, our colleagues, our family, and sometimes to those we don't know, that God loves them. And when we serve, it's actually not just the recipients who benefit. I love to hear stories of people who the Lord has blessed even as they've been serving as volunteers. I, I think of married couples who met their partner while serving together. 13, 14 years ago, Ian and Abby Powell met, actually in our living room. They were two graduate uh, architect students, and together we designed this building when we built it. And they poured about a couple of hundred voluntary hours into designing this building. And then they got married. Ben and Lizzie Hyatt met serving together on the newcomers team. They got married four months ago. And on the discipleship year, there have been a few relationships and marriages too, people like Cy and Laura Helliwell, probably quite a few others. Now, we wouldn't want that to be your primary motive for doing the discipleship year <laughs> or for serving in any area of ministry. And I do know that many of you have served diligently for years without meeting a spouse. But evidently, there's something deceptively romantic for some about setting out chairs and hoovering this auditorium. <laughs> I just think the Lord is delighted with people who grasp servanthood, and as he smiles on them, he loves to bless them in so many varied and different ways. Where people pour their lives out in the service of others, they find blessing and satisfaction. 
you want to hear what Oprah Winfrey says about it, she has a lot to say about people who serve others as volunteers have a much, much richer experience of life. But let's go back a bit further to Albert Schweitzer, who was a theologian and philosopher in the early to mid-years of the last century. He was a passionate observer of human behavior, and he wrote this. I don't know what your destiny will be, but one thing I know, the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found a way to serve. Another Albert, Albert Einstein, perhaps the best known scientist in history who devoted his life to studying the laws of the universe, said this, only a life lived for others is a life worthwhile. And these two Alberts, they understood a law which uh, the Lord has built into the universe. Serve others, you will be blessed. Or as it says in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 11:25, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Malcolm Muggeridge was a journalist and author who was hugely impacted by Mother Teresa, and he wrote an account of meeting her and seeing the work of the missionaries of charity in Calcutta. And in his book, Something Beautiful for God, he recounts a conversation with a nun called Sister Joseph when he asked her about why she took her vows to become a nun. And he said this, it's a terrific step to take, isn't it? Many people would think it's an absolutely lunatic step. You leave a world full of interesting things and exciting things and you come to this austere life. You adopt the standard of life of the poor and you spend all your time with the poorest and lowliest people. Isn't that rather a mad thing to do. She responded, that is precisely why I came here. I came because I wanted a very hard life. I wanted to be able to give up something. And has it made you happy? Happy? Very happy, because I feel I can give so much to help others. Your life here is a fulfillment and it brings you happiness? Absolutely. Not a day's regret, not a moment of regret. Malcolm asked her, although it has deprived you of the things which particularly in this age people think make life worth living? And she responded, I think happiness for me is that I am able to help others. Mother Teresa and the thousands of others who served alongside her in the missionaries of charity found the most incredible satisfaction serving God as they served other people. Now, of course, I'm not suggesting that all of us will be called to that kind of life that the missionaries of charity have, but we can all learn from their understanding of the amazing principle that as we give our life away, we find it. As we pour ourselves out, give our life away, our abundance, the experience of abundance, abundant life grows. Of course, we don't serve so that we get blessed in return. We serve because we're called by God to serve, but it's a wonderful reflection of the generous character of God that as we spend ourselves for him, he meets with us and he blesses us. We want to fulfill Jesus' call to be servants, to be people who are, to quote Peter in 1 Peter 5, who are eager to serve, to demonstrate God's love by doing what Jesus did and serving those around us. And as you've heard me this evening, uh, many of you have already really caught the heart of God in this area. You're serving on rotors. You're serving behind the scenes in many and varied ways that aren't rotored. 
Some of you actually may be serving in too many areas and you need to consider taking a break from something to get your life back into balance. We don't want anyone to burn out doing too much. Some of you may be just gingerly returning to church after a time out, maybe for months or years, and you kind of burnt out just serving too hard, and you just want to tiptoe back in. That's absolutely fine. Some of you are on a journey of faith. You've not yet decided whether you want to be a follower of Jesus, but I really would encourage you, as one of the steps on that journey, finding somewhere to serve in the life of the church could be a really helpful step for you. And indeed, you'll make friends, and it will change something in your heart and life as you take a step towards serving others in an organized way like that. Some of you, you would describe yourself as a follower of Jesus. This is your church, but you are yet to become involved in serving. And I would really like to encourage you this evening to take a step towards getting involved. Go to the connect area at the end. You can talk to someone or you can pick up a flyer if you don't want to talk to anyone or both together. You know, they'll talk to you about what's in the flyer. But this uh, is a way of just ticking a box and, and trying something out. And, uh, you know, many people do that. They try it first before they decide whether to go on a rotor. And then when they actually do get involved, it's just once a month. It's very simple. You don't sign your life away and, and, and just, you know, serving your heart out forever. Once a month. Once a month, just a couple of hours serving refreshments, something like that. That's a basic building block. Some people do a number of different things and some people do the same thing more than once a month. But the basic building block is just once a month. And you haven't signed your life away like, oh my goodness, I'll never get out of serving refreshments, you know, many decades on. It's easy in, easy out. You can take a break from service. You can move to some other area. There's a lot of freedom because we have so many, hundreds and hundreds, well over a thousand people who are serving on rotors in the life of the church. It it means that nobody carries all the weight by themselves. Someone uh, used a very amusing picture, which isn't in my notes, but I just think of it. You know, football is where thousands of people desperately in need of exercise are watching 22 people desperately in need of a rest. And that's not the way the, supposed, the church is supposed to work. It's supposed to be the other way around, you know. All of us involved in serving. Many of the areas of ministry need more people on the team. So you may come here and think, wow, it's so well organized, obviously they don't need me. They're all sorted. But the truth is that every team that I'm aware of, and we have over 200 teams, are short of people, would love to have you join them. And so find somewhere where you could use your gifts and uh, offer to help out. There's one particular one which is going to need some more investment in the coming months, and that is the Trent Kids team. It takes about 80 people on a Sunday morning serving our children. And uh, if everyone on that team served once a month, some people do more than that, but we're talking about 320 people needed to make up that team, just looking up after our naught to 11-year-olds. And Trent Kids is growing. And with the opening of the new kids center, we anticipate that it's gonna grow even more. And so as more children join us, we're gonna need more people on teams, more servants to support that amazing area of our church's life. And it would be great if they could build those teams in anticipation of opening day in January, uh, if you would be happy to do that, if that's where you feel. I mean, there's a million areas you can get involved in, but that's just one. As a church, we can achieve so much, and because there are so many of you involved, as I say, the responsibility doesn't just rest on a minority. And I hope that you've been just a little bit inspired as I have by the stories that I've shared this evening of willing servants and the impact that serving those around us can have. Let me finish with Romans 12, verse one. 
Because of God's great mercy to us, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service. Being a servant-hearted people is such an exciting way to partner with Jesus, to be a servant army of disciples who get to spend our few decades here doing what Jesus did, demonstrating his love, extending his kingdom, and blessing others through service. Thank <laughs> you.